It's Cape Inn Report, and I'm your host, Maureen Aylward. Our topic, school safety after Parkland. And my guests are Shannon Donnelly, principal of Essex Tech High School, also known as Essex North Shore Agricultural and Technical School. Gregor Gibson, um, activist and advocate for Every Town for Gun Safety in America. Jemima Grow and Xander Oaks, uh, high school students, seniors at Gloucester High School. Welcome to Cape Ann Report. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here uh, talking about this really important issue around school safety. Uh, it's been a year since the shooting in Parkland, Florida at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School there where 17 students were killed um, uh, by gun violence and also 17 students injured. And it seems to have changed the conversation about guns in America. And I think it's changed. So I'm going to put out a question to everybody. Has it changed? Um, has Have we moved through and into a new time? And um, Gregor, I, I want to start with you. And I, I, would you give us a little bit of the background about why you're an advocate yeah. and why you're an sure. activist, Gregor? Uh, in 1978, uh, my sister died by suicide uh, with a gun that she purchased at a pawn shop the day before she uh, died. Uh, unfortunate impulse shopping decision. And then in 1992, my son uh, Galen was killed at uh, Simons Rock College at a school shooting. Again, it was another um, legal purchase of a firearm at the time. So I've spent a couple of decades uh, advocating for gun safety and sensible gun laws. And um, the change that I've experienced is, you know, it's really hard not to get discouraged because things just seem to be staying the same or getting worse. But since Parkland, I've been able to feel as if, uh, yeah, I am doing something. At least I'm preparing the ground for these dynamic, I can just feels like a dynamic wave of young people behind me to whom this really is important. They get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're making a kind of progress in a way that I never expected that we would. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's wonderful to have the two of you here, uh, Xander and Jemima, to talk about it from the teen perspective. Tell me what it was like for you when you heard about the shooting in, in Parkland. Um, well, initially it was, the reaction was kind of, here we go again, unfortunately, because it's been, you know, whatever number school shooting um, since, you know, we were little. Um, but then kind of after that initial you know, um, that initial kind of helplessness feeling, um, you realize that these are kids our age and that this could have just as easily happened to us. And so that sense of helplessness kind of got replaced by anger, um, indignation, and kind of a desire to change something. Yeah, and then as soon as the um, March for Our Lives uh, student movement started to grow and they... um, the walkout date for March 14th was sort of spread. Um, We figured that we had to do something for our school just to um, play our part and to make sure we feel like we are doing what we can for our school and to help spread this movement, even if it is just in Cape Ann. So you organized the march, the the walkout, the school walkout that was um, that was spread through social media and it Lots of schools did this across the country. And what did you find w- amongst your peers uh, as you were planning that? And um, people were with you? 
Yeah. Definitely. There was a lot of support. Um, at first, it was a little slow, but then when we we had we worked to spread the word with our um, young Democrats group, and we helped spread the idea of this throughout our school, and we worked with our administration, and then slowly kids started to realize that this was something that they also wanted to be a part of, and then it just grew. Did the administration support you? Yes, um, they asked that we reflect, that students who participated in the walkout write a reflection on why they participated, um, and they kind of gave us like an implicit, um, a, not approval, but kind of an understanding that this would be the action that we would take regardless yeah, yeah. of what... So of, they made it a teaching moment. Sort yeah. of right. Well. They, yeah. they wanted to discourage the kids that were just going to take the opportunity to skip out of class, yeah. but they wanted to make sure that everyone was, that wanted to participate could and would. They didn't want to dissuade us. And did you collect student voices? Uh, uh, as this was happening, I mean, did you did you have a recording of what was happening? Um, we there are there is some footage of um, the speeches that were made at the walkout. There are transcripts of the yeah, speeches. Um, I don't. We do not personally have the recordings, but yeah. I think the they're high school online. newspaper has transcripts of this. The, the speeches. speeches, yeah. Great, um, Shannon. I want to turn mm-hmm. to you because as principal of a very large regional school, Essex Tech, uh, 1,400 students there, uh, you have an awful lot of responsibility right. um, for, for uh, student safety. And um, what was your reaction uh, at Parkland? I know you weren't principal at the time. Mm-hmm. And what has the school done uh, since, uh, in the year mm-hmm. since, um, since Parkland? So, I mean, my initial reaction is just sadness that something like this happened again. And also, now as principal, sort of this awesome responsibility that I have to make sure that our 1,400 students, all of my staff, that they're safe, that they're coming to school in a safe environment, um, that we're doing everything we can to make sure that our building is secure and that everyone's trained well. Um, So what we've done this year is we have tried to improve our training. So we do... um, in the fall, we did um, Alice training, which is actor shooter training. So sort of gone are the days of the old lockdowns. So now um, students are taught to um, evacuate if possible, counter or barricade if they need to stay in a room. Um, so in September, we trained all of our teachers with help from the Danvers Police Department in a morning professional development. And then in the afternoon when the students came in, we trained with the students as well. Um, I think the students were... Um, they were not happy to do it, but they were involved. It empowers them to know what to do in a situation, not just wait for a teacher or another adult to tell them what to do. Um, so that's been our big mission is to really work on the training and making sure that our students do know what to do. Hopefully they'll never need to know, but um, mm-hmm. at least they'll be aware and know what they need to do. And, and you had an issue, a couple of issues this year as mm-hmm. principal, mm-hmm. where there was an issue with social media um, mm-hmm. and uh, also uh, uh, bullet casings were found mm-hmm. on the property. Could you tell us what you did with mm-hmm. that as, a, as a, it was a threat, it was a right. scare. So with the bullet casings, it was they were found in one of our bathrooms at our concession stands over a vacation week. I wasn't principal at the time, so I do know the matter was referred to the Danvers police, but I don't know a whole lot about exactly what transpired with that issue. Mm -hmm. Our issue this year was a a scare that was reported to the Danvers Police Department 
um, by a concerned parent who absolutely did the right thing, overheard <clears throat> some chatter about a potential threat. Um, the police were notified. Um, the administration was notified. Um, and it turned out to be a misunderstanding. There was, in fact, not a threat to the building or to our students in any way. Um, but it was it was a good learning moment for our staff and our administration. Um, we worked well with the Danvers police. We were able to communicate with our parents, our staff, our, our students quickly. So there wasn't a lot of hysteria. Um, and it allowed us to sort of walk through all those safety protocols that we have in place um, and had a good resolution because mm -hmm. it, it wasn't sort of a false alarm. And, and it seems like we're in new territory, you know, with uh, with students having to go through ALICE training and mm -hmm. and um, and it, it changes the student experience. And, uh, you know, I, I was wondering what you're what, what you think of ALICE training and, and how you've gone through that. You do that at uh, Gloucester High School. Yeah. Um, you know, there's kind of um, I, I have mixed emotions on it. You know, I understand the necessity of preparation and I understand that, you know, this is a good first step in eventually overcoming the problem as a whole. Um, but it's also kind of um, upsetting that this is the reality that we live in, that, in, that when we come to a place that is supposed to, you know, nurture us and prepare us for life after high school, you know, what we're focused on instead of things that prepare us for jobs or life after high school is, you know, preparing for the possibility of an active shooter. Yeah, and like in terms of comparing it to like the previous just lockdown and sit and wait, it is, you, are, you do have a greater sense of empowerment in knowing that you're getting all of the information that everyone else has in the building and that you as a class and are making the decision for yourself and your peers with your teacher. And so you know, you feel like you have more control rather than sitting like in a corner if that's not your best option. Right, right. Gregor, what are your thoughts about this? Because um, back when your son was killed, there was no active shooter training. and it's these, these people had no idea what they were doing, how to approach it. I'm just listening to you, Xander, and you, Jemima, and I'm thinking, what a vastly different world we live in just 20 years later, where this is now, this is a part of your education. Um, when Galen was killed, it was as if a meteorite had fallen from outer space. And, you know, school shootings had happened, but uh, there was not this body of knowledge, not this enormous awareness of this mm -hmm. ever-present uh, thing. It's just, uh, it's just such a huge cultural change, mm -hmm. and you guys are right in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, Gregor, you advocate for gun reform, changes to uh, gun laws, and we live in a state, Massachusetts, that has the strongest gun laws in the country. Can you tell tell us a um, little bit more about the work that you're doing on behalf of strengthening gun laws, not only in Massachusetts, but really across the country you're active in that? Well, because I'm a survivor, I, I volunteer for every town uh, working with and organizing other survivors because the stories of survivors are sort of the moral authority of the movement. And we work with Moms Demand Action. I don't know if you guys have well, maybe everybody's heard of Moms Demand Action. I mm -hmm. hope everybody's heard of Moms mm -hmm. Demand Action. And, um, you know, they, uh, we do, we're very lucky. We live in a very blue and very progressive state, but there's a lot of work to be done in New Hampshire and uh, Rhode Island and Vermont and um, Maine. And um, the moms, the Massachusetts moms, have, uh, through technology, a reach uh, 
that they can actually be helping and participating to drive programs in, um, in other states. Just last year, uh, they were instrumental in, in passing our own uh, red flag law, which is a, you know, I think of when Galen was killed, even if the laws uh, had been the same, just having that awareness that, oh, somebody's in trouble, we better keep an eye on it, just that level of education that now exists uh, didn't exist then. So that's pretty much what I've been involved in. And, and that's really coming from this greater awareness that has been brought forth with the school shootings and mass Unavoidable shootings awareness, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's not just, I mean, um, what happened in Las Vegas, uh, certainly it wasn't in the school, but still it's, um, it's, it's significant. And uh, what, do you, what, are you, um, what are you seeing in some of the other states where where what what are the issues in some of the other states like Maine? Is it just access to guns, or is it just the the laws uh, in New Hampshire that aren't strong enough? Is it a well, just to back up a little bit, it, it, let's understand that school shootings are only a minuscule um, part of this problem. Uh, in fact, two thirds of gun deaths in America are suicides, and suicide is a problem that affects people in your age group, people in my age group, people in Maine people in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to a very strong degree, uh, this has to do with how easy it is to get your hands on a firearm. So uh, we can say they're different in every state, but the problem is pretty simple, really. Uh, if you can't get a gun, you can't shoot yourself or anybody else. So what we're doing is learning through laws and through societal changes, uh, ways to intervene in this horrible process between a gun and it's being used to hurt someone or, or yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's happening in every state and at different rates in different places. But. Yeah, uh, but the awareness is raised <clears throat> about, about gun laws. And so to have young people being active in pushing for gun reform is really a shift this really uh, is, that we yeah. really, mm-hmm. we haven't seen. I mean, we're so, uh, you know, certain age, and um, and uh, you're in high school, and so we've we we can really see that shift happening. Um, uh, Shannon, I wanted to ask you what it, what it's like to be in a working in a tech school, because it's uh, safety is really a big part mm-hmm. of the of the tech Essex Tech. Uh, you have lots of machinery there. You know, you've got carpentry there, you've got plumbing, you've got electrical, there's a lot of things there. How are you addressing safety from that? Not just necessarily from a, a gun issue because it could be, something else could be weaponized there. So how are you dealing so, with that? I mean, in terms of just general shop safety, every student yeah. in every career tech program has to go through safety training. All of our students take um, an OSHA course. Um, most tools are, um, are locked when not in use. You know, there are tool cribs to keep the tools often so they won't get stolen or lost, but also, you know, they're closed up and, and under lock and key when they're not being used in some cases, not in every program, but in a lot of programs. Um, so safety is, is a huge piece of any career tech program, making sure that students understand what it means to be safe in the workplace, how to use tools appropriately, um, you know, ladder safety, things like that. Um, so, and we also know that in the workplace, there can be accidents. So students that are out on cooperative education jobs could be the first person to respond to some kind of workplace accident. So, so safety is a big, big component of the career tech. Mm-hmm. 
education. Um, so it's a year since Parkland. Thank you, mm -hmm. uh, Shannon. So it's a year since Parkland and um, awareness has grown. There's a lot more work to be done. Um, uh, from um, thinking about parents, um, par parents are worried, <laughs> certainly, when they send their children to school now uh, in a situation where gun violence can happen. And um, I'm just, there's a, there's a level of fear, there's a level of uh, worry. And what can, what can we do um, in terms of, uh, you know, not only the school safety, but I, I guess I get this question is for you, Gregor, like, what, what do you think we can do? Um, you know, this is the big question everybody yeah. asks. And, and, and when something horrible happens, what you hear is people reach out to you and say, what can I do? Well, as I said a little earlier, you know, uh, we always thought and hoped that there might be a, a, a pill for cancer or a cure mm -hmm. for AIDS. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the way we dealt with these problems is through a whole barrage of treatments. And I think that's sort of basically what we're talking about here. It's what you guys are doing in high school. It's what I'm doing as an advocate. It's what you're doing and you're doing as education. Mm -hmm. This is a broad spectrum. This is not something that laws are going to change. There are already 300 million guns out there with shelf lives in dozens mm -hmm. and hundreds of There's years. There's like one for every citizen in the United yeah, we States. Yeah, we, we, we could each have a gun we if could, we wanted. Yeah. Um, this is not going to go away. What's half, what has to change is a, it, there's got to be some kind of cultural shift here, some kind of real understanding. And that's why mm -hmm. I can hardly wait till you guys can vote because <laughs> I think that's really going to make a difference. And and Listen. that was really part of the push and with the Parkland students, right? That they were pushing not only to register people to vote because they could see the power in, in voting. And um, what, what are you seeing right now? Are you seeing that there's a push for that political voice? I mean, the, the youth voice is very critical right now. Um, and uh, it, it, there's, there's a lot of activism, not only uh, in the gun reform space um, around Parkland, but... Also, youth getting more active in, in, in politics. What, what, what are some of your thoughts on that, both of you? Well, I think this Parkland issue and the gun issue in general was kind of like a launching board for youth activism in general. Because if if you followed the the political careers of the Parkland kids, is they've branched out. They're not just taught, they're not single issue um, single issue citizens anymore. They're talking about voter reform and climate change and a whole litany of issues. And I think that the gun issue is one that every student in America has, you know, we've lived it, even if you're not the victim of gun violence. So I think it was kind of, it showed a lot of young people that, you know, you can have a voice without necessarily having a vote or having millions or thousands of dollars. You can have a voice and you can have some level of political influence in this country um, that is unconventional. And without a vote. Right, right. You, you can, right. everyone has a, with social media and with the advent of, you know, technology, everyone has a certain platform that they can harness and that they can use to kind of voice their piece and make change. Yeah, and it was it was truly an example of how the the power of the youth voice, the like youth population, and how we can influence things and how we can sort of project what we want our future to be into existence by not by waiting for the adults at this point, but by our own actions. Well, that's mm -hmm. a great point because one of the great things that you guys have done has been to call us out, to call our generation out on even allowing this 
to be a problem for you. And you've been brilliant at it. What is that future that you want? Um. <laughs> um, on a, at, a, at a simple level, um, a world in which the youth voice is taken more seriously no matter what. Even if there's never another school shooting, even if there's never another issue that explicitly involves young people to this degree, I think a great start would be to include the voices of the young people because we have great ideas even if we you know, don't have PhDs, don't have um, college educations yet, um, we don't have uh, jo- um, higher than entry level jobs yet, you know, we still have ideas, we still have voices and those still have credibility. Yeah, and I think an age of like public, like of, of just education of issues, not not even like higher level, but just a an environment of open communication and the spreading of knowledge of all of these issues is going to go a, a long way in making sure that some issues stay in importance and we can try and resolve them as they Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um shannon Mm -hmm. listening to these uh wonderful young people speak uh what's your impression of uh, and also working with your students at essex tech what's your impression of what's um coming up and and what's needed i think i think you're both remarkable number one and so well spoken um I think it's important for students to have a voice and to, and to feel like they are being heard, whether or not they can vote yet. You will eventually, but not yet. Um, so I think that um, that I know from my own students, they are, um, you know, at, at least for the Alice training piece, they're more involved in it. They want to have a role in it. Um, they want to work on, um, you know, supporting their peers and, um there's a big push coming up in a couple of months for mental health awareness so that they can support maybe maybe they don't understand what it means to have a mental health issue but they want to support someone that can um so i think there's a big push around that and um you know our student leaders are sort of rallying around those types of causes because they want to make school a better place um and a safer place for kids And, and in this world of social media now where uh, you know individual relationships can be frayed or or they can be isolating or separate mm-hmm. uh, interacting with social media it seems like we really do need this opportunity to come together um, to put things aside that influence us and and move towards this greater understanding of one another and our issues um, having conversations like this you really do help and you know, strengthening the emotional lives of young people, I feel, is, is, is critical. And Shannon, the question I have for you is, um, with the ALICE training, mm-hmm. um, you know, with some of these other steps that you're taking, what about the emotional life of students? And mm-hmm. have you heard about anything that, that the reaction towards um, ALICE training from an emotional standpoint, what's, what's available for students? So anytime that we're doing any kind of ALICE or safety training, we always have our... Um, our guidance and our counseling staff available. So we have six guidance counselors, four school adjustment counselors, and two school psychologists. So we make sure that they are available to any student who may need assistance during the drills. Um, at this point, um, for most of our, our fall ALICE training, we did not really have anyone that needed to seek out um, a counselor during the training. Um, I think when we our students start with us in ninth grade. Many have had Alice training along the way in middle school, so it's not a brand new concept to them. Therefore, it's not quite as scary. 
um, but we make sure that the counseling staff is available regardless um, in case they need them. Um, so it's it's not uh, if another school shooting will happen, it's really when, right? It's when is it going to happen again? And um, what are we gonna what are we gonna do about it? You know, uh, uh, what will happen uh, when it when it um, when it happens again? There'll be another uprising. Um, how how will we uh, address this? Um, uh, Xander, Jemima, Greg, Shannon. Uh, Could we talk for a minute though about the one thing that we haven't talked about in school and education is. If you see someone in your class who presents a problem, yeah. how do you, you know, what, what steps can you take? Do we have a way, uh, do we have an, an educate, educational model for, right. oh boy, that guy looks like he's really in trouble. Yeah. Who can I tell? Again, I going back, him? stepping back yeah. before you know, it happens. There, you are know, how can, there are programs out there yeah. that exist that, that really right. focus on this. And it's been documented that they've been effective in mm-hmm. helping to tamp this down. And I think mm-hmm. it's a tremendously important part of, of just the mm-hmm. school experience. I'm sure you guys have some awareness of that, don't you? So it's, um, so there's this Alice training, but what about this um, mm-hmm. other piece where it's, is that what you were talking about earlier about mental health awareness and mm-hmm. trying to help people uh, who are going through a difficult time to identify right. someone who could be potentially mm-hmm. dangerous? Absolutely. We also have a, we have a, an anonymous tip line that's connected to our school app. That will allow students to, if they do, and it, and it does come up occasionally where a student thinks a friend might be in trouble, they put it through the tip line, and we're able to check on that. It could be a weekend, it could be at night, it could be over vacation. It doesn't have to be you know, something that waits till Monday morning when a student can see their guidance counselor. So we've had a lot of good luck with that anonymous tip line. Um, it doesn't have to be anonymous. Like a student could put their name or a parent can use it um, and add their name, but it, it can be anonymous, which I think for students it's safer to... To put that out there and have it be anonymous. Yeah. Um, We also, we work really hard to make sure that our students have trusted adults in our building, that they do have someone that they can seek out, email, um, meet with if they feel like someone's in trouble. Mm -hmm. Gregor, any comments on that? Yeah, I think that's just as important as all the other steps that we're taking. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a barrage of things, but that, the ability to see someone who's having trouble to reach out to that person, to communicate to other people that this kid might be having a problem. It's just so enormously important. Um, I don't know, I guess you guys have had experience in your own social world in high school like that. Yeah. Are you receiving any information like that at Gloucester High School where it is encouraged for you to um, talk to other people if if you or you or your friends or anyone in the school sees that someone's in trouble and could potentially be a threat. It's not specific in in terms of a potential shooting threat or a potential violent threat to others, but there is kind of this incur- implicit incur- encouragement to seek help for yourself or others when you know that you know there's any type of mental health um, issue arising. Um, in yourself, a friend, or even a peer, a peer or a classmate who you're not necessarily, who you don't know necessarily mm-hmm. super well. Yeah, so like there's always the ability to go to a teacher, a trusted adult, um, our school resource, resource officer, or any of the administration are like readily available if it comes to that. So it's 
So that's a part of your culture in your school already. That's in place there. Yeah, it's in place. Yeah. <clears throat> Great. Well, uh, Xander Oaks and Jemima Grow, Gregor Gibson, Shannon Donnelly, thank you for joining me here on Cape Ann Report for this very important conversation around school safety after Parkland. It's been a pleasure to have you all here. Thank you. Um, thank you. If you'd like to know, uh, join the conversation and uh, connect with us, please do so on our social media. I'm your host, Maureen Elward. Until the next time on Cape Ann Report, take care.